0: All right, we're going to do it. The scan away. I'm going to suck your brain dry. <laughs> and we are back. Yes, we are back with the Mars Magazine Podcast. This is Adario Strange along here with...
1: Make Song.
0: And we bring you tidings from the future in the present. Do you like that? Is that a new tag that I can use? Like, is that too corny? Is that... Is it's- tidings too...
1: Formal.
0: It sounds very Christmassy. Um, so, I, before we get into some of the news bits from this past week, and just mm-hmm. as a reminder for anyone listening for the first time, what we do on the Mars podcast is we cover science fiction movies, television, to a lesser anything extent, so. games. Yeah, anything science fiction, and we investigate the intersection between that and real life, real science, real technology. And so before we get into some of the news bits, let's just talk. We last week, we covered X-Men Apocalypse, the latest in the Marvel franchise and Mm -hmm. the mutants. And Mm -hmm. we were just about to see it. So I I will pass it to you first. What did you think? What what was, what was your experience?
1: Well, um, I think I signed off the last episode by saying I'm going in with super duper low expectations. And I think that helped immensely. I think doing that, I enjoyed the movie a lot more than I would have otherwise. Uh, but overall, I thought it was pretty bloated. I don't know. What did, what did you think? Did you think it was?
0: Um Oh, well, it was a solid entry. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't horrible or anything like that. Again, this is one of my favorite comics as a kid. So anything they do, I'm watching very closely. I liked how they treated the Wolverine plot line. I liked, mm-hmm. uh, the Professor X, you know, going bald bit. I, you know, the Quicksilver. Yeah, the, the Quicksilver part, once again, was the best part of the film. Um, the, the, the pizza dog. I mean, I want oh, that dog yeah. now. I, I must have that dog now.
1: I kind of, I kind of want Quicksilver and Magneto to do a buddy cop movie together.
0: It's all well done. It looks good. I liked how Apocalypse had this kind of, Egyptian design feel mm-hmm. to his, you know, man-made pyramid and his costume and all this stuff. Olivia Munn just didn't do it for me. Love you Olivia Olivia Munn, but in her role, she didn't do it for me. Storm didn't do it for me. And that's mm-hmm. one of my favorite characters. Jubilee um,
1: didn't do it for me.
0: Yeah, I just it was the um, it seemed like it was done quickly as opposed to deeply and well.
1: You know, it was it was kind of weird, because I, I get totally what you mean by it, the fact that the movie seemed quick and not in-depth or whatever, but it also felt really bloated, because just things kept happening. The The setup to Apocalypse took forever, and then, you know, you just kept going around, and then Magneto had his whole sob story that they had to put into it to explain why he would even team up with Apocalypse, and I just thought it was kind of...
0: And then there, I've, I started to get the the little pang of... So with the whole Star Wars franchise, you know, the whole thing is unsettling to me because there's this constant low-level pang that I have in my geek sci-fi spirit that, oh, you're just trying to make money here. You're just trying to make money here. You're not trying to tell a real mm-hmm. cool story. And that started when I saw... Oh, that really kicked in with X-Men Apocalypse uh, at the end of credit scene um, when they kind of showed something X, whatever. I, I forget the... The
1: SX company?
0: No, no, no. I'm talking about the... Yeah, but I'm talking about the um the substance that... There's some substance that is supposed to allow regular humans to uh get mutant powers or whatever. Oh, yeah. And, you know, basically, they're kind of like, okay, so this is like, you know, what's coming next? And, you know, come on, enough, enough. This movie was not that. Here's the thing, Apocalypse, Four Horsemen, End of mm-hmm. the World, did you feel at any point in that movie like, oh, my God, the Earth is about to end? No, there it, you go.
1: It was just, it was just like, uh, you know, they're gonna save the day. Like,
0: come on. They blew, they blew the title of the film. It's Apocalypse X Men Apocalypse. I know that's the name of the character, but Apocalypse is. I'm supposed to f- sit there and feel like this is, you know, this might all be over. I never had that feeling. Never, not I, once. Know,
1: that that part of that might have just been Oscar Isaac's performance. Not saying that I think Oscar Isaac is a bad actor. I think he's a fabulous actor. I love X Machina. I even like him in Star Wars a lot, but, um, Oscar Isaac
0: Apocalypse. as Apocalypse. Right.
1: And, um, you know, I was reading the Rolling Stone interview cause he's, uh, he was on, uh, he was like on the cover of Rolling Stone, I think a week or two ago. I don't know when, but, um, I was reading his interview, and he said that the director, Brian Singer, told him to act in degrees of Skeletor. And so it would be like, this scene calls for full Skeletor. This scene calls for, like, quarter Skeletor.
0: Wait, you're not making this up. When you say Skeletor, you're talking about Skeletor, He-Man, He-Man, Skeletor,
1: yes. Like, you can go to the Rolling Stone uh, interview, and this is where I'm getting it from, unless my... Brain is made of just Swiss <laughs> cheese or something, okay. which I don't think it is. Okay. Um, but yeah, and so much of the movie felt there were just like moments of supreme cheese in it that I, it kind of took me out of the apocalypse feeling. You know, like it was, it was like oh, it's kind of goofy.
0: Yeah, great choice of X Men storyline, but yeah, just there was no tension. At all, yeah, yeah. So that's what we thought about X Men. If you're a hardcore X Men fan, definitely check it out. Um, if you want to wait for it on video, I don't discourage you from doing that. And there you have it, X Men Apocalypse. Just sort of meh. Next, um, you wanted to tell us about an exhibit you went to that I think kind of calls back to an earlier episode that we did. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I went to the Manus Ex Machina visit uh, exhibit. I visited the Menace Ex Machina, whatever, tongue twister. Use your words. Speak, really human, little, yeah. speak human language. <laughs> I went to the Menace X Ex Machina exhibit at the Metropolitan uh, Museum of Art here in NYC. And we talked about it in a previous episode because of the Met Gala. Uh, and it was this year's theme. Like the, sub, the subtitle to this exhibit is Fashion in the Age of Technology. So I kind of went and checked it out. Uh, when we were talking about the Met Gala, we were just kind of like, fail, fail, where's the tech in this fashion? Except for, um, like two dresses that kind of incorporated it in a nice way. Uh, that kind of carries over into the exhibit as well. It was just, I think the whole name of the exhibit is such a misnomer because they're, they're saying, they're talking about like menace, which means like handmade and then machina, which it obviously means machine. So they're just talking about how, like, technology makes it easier for fashion to be made. And then the you just walk in and they have some, like, foofy, kind of, I don't know, churchy, but somewhat futurey ooh-ah, music going through the entire place. And all the dresses are things like embroidery, uh, lots of feathers going on, some other stuff. And I was like, this, is, this doesn't really have a tech feel to it at all. With the exception of one dress by this guy named Hussein Ch- Chailon. And I called it the Iron Man dress when I saw it because it's this gold metal dress that whoever wears it has to walk into and then it kind of has, has like a motor in it so that it'll just like zoom forward and there's these little things that look like pollen and they fly off off the dress into the air and have led lights so it was like really freaky and weird
0: was there any 3d printed dress yes. stuff out there
1: yeah so that was the other thing um there's this uh lady named uh iris van herpen and they had a bunch of her stuff there, and she uses 3D-printed, like, materials to kind of create dress sculpture things. So there was, like, one that looked like it was made out of autumn leaves that she had 3D-printed, and that was cool. There was another one that kind of looked like—it was a really cool dress. It looked like a rib cage, so she, like, 3D-printed bones and, like— put something together that way. There was another one that was, it looked like it was origami and had fiber optics as a skirt or something like that. So all of her stuff was super duper cool, but you could kind of tell that they just populated half of the exhibit with everything she did.
0: So what were their prices on these dresses?
1: No prices. And were
0: they all for women? Was there men?
1: It was primarily women.
0: Okay, so realistically, can you see anyone outside of, you know, a Lady Gaga party, private party, can you see anyone actually wearing any of these things that you saw on display?
1: No, no, like me and you wearing these types of things? Not really. These are all really haute couture, like Lady Gaga or super rich people prom type dresses.
0: Okay, so more art than real fashion.
1: Yeah, more art than real fashion, and also just, like, concept, kind of. There was, like, a dress that was made out of straws, and I was like, well, I don't even know what that has to do with technology in any sense.
0: And so that was Manus Ex Machina, and that is—is that still going on at the— uh yeah.
1: Yeah, it'll be going on until August 14th. So you have plenty of time to go and be disappointed.
0: So next, we wanted to talk about a film that we just saw the trailer for uh, called Approaching the Unknown. Mars is just a tiny dot in the sky, 40 million miles away. Requesting permission to kick off my shoes for the rest of the ride. Roger, Captain, you have permission. Good
1: morning, Santa forth. I don't know if I'm on course. My ship isn't telling me. board the mission. Return to Earth right now. The mission has failed. But I can't go back.
0: What are you doing? What's going on? This is why I came here. To give everything up. For one moment of pure wonder. It's directed by... First-time director, Mark Elijah Rosenberg. We found out about this from IndieWire, and IndieWire describes it thusly. It follows William Staniforth, an astronaut who heads on a one-way mission to explore the red planet, that being Mars. Of course, since we're dealing with science fiction and the unknown, something goes wrong. Staniforth's life support system fails him, and he is left to fend on his own in the most unknown of territory territories and hijinks ensue and and everything like all the little synopsis uh wrap-ups that i've you know read about this apparently there's some sort of you know i don't know if it's like the, the secret isn't revealed and i haven't like gone deep into like the script writing websites to kind of like spoil it for myself but it seems like he either meets with some sort of being, or he has some sort of otherworldly, you know, experience. Like something happens out there that isn't just normal astronaut stuff. So, did, yeah. did you you check out the trailer?
1: Yeah, I checked out the trailer. Like it, the trailer to me felt like The Martian meets Gravity meets Moon. Have you ever seen that?
0: I love Moon. That's one of my favorite yeah, films. Yeah, yeah.
1: It it felt like that to hmm. me. Like just a kind of man goes. I, I don't know, Castaway and Space Meets Weird Existential Crisis.
0: Or or the the scene, spoilers for uh two thousand one a space odyssey, I got the feeling like if you if you've seen the film, there's a point at which um the main character is essentially lost in space and he meets the monolith and that leads to this psychedelic experience and I kinda got whiffs of that. Yeah, uh, from the trailer, like,
1: he he looks like he's flying into some like electric cloud at some point, and he's just like, "Oh man!" Or I think in the in the trailer, um, the Staniforth played by Mark Strong, uh, he says like, "Like, uh, was it Luke Wilson tells Mark Strong, um, you're you're off course or something. You should abort the mission, and come back home." He's like, "No man, I came out to space. I gave up everything." I'm going to explore what's out there. And so he goes like into some crazy cloud, and, I don't know, psychedelic stuff ensues.
0: Uh, You might know Mark Strong from uh, Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy, I think is the name of it.
1: Yeah, Um, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. The the Robert Downey Jr. version. He's in one of them.
0: The Kingsman. Uh, Love him as an actor. Um, He's usually kind of playing second, you know, not really lead. So I feel like this might be one of his... If not his first, one of his first or one of his few lead roles. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if he can hold that up.
1: Yeah. And also not be a villain.
0: Right. That's the other thing. He's usually the bad guy. So I'm wondering, like, maybe there's. Maybe he was cast for that reason. Maybe there's something evil he's going to do the, to the human race while out in space. <laughs> anyway, so speaking of about Mars, that leads us to another bit of news that happened uh, this week from none other than Amazon founder and CEO Jeff Bezos. He was at the Code Conference, which is put on by the tech website Recode, and the Code Conference is held every year in California. And um, in case you don't know, in addition to founding Amazon, he's also the founder. Jeff Bezos is the founder of Blue Origin, which is, uh, I guess, trying to be a commercial space company in the same way uh, as SpaceX. So in an interview at the Code Conference, he, you know, he was asked a bunch of questions about technology, the future, artificial intelligence. And somehow the topic went on to the topic of uh, space travel. And he said, and "This is a quote." We will. And this is him speaking enthusiastically because I actually watched the video. He says, "We will. We will settle Mars, we, and we should because it's cool." <laughs> and yeah, that, and and actually. Your reaction is the reaction of the audience. The audience broke out in chuckles, but then he continued on. And he explained that he believes that it would be a good idea to put our factories and industrial workspaces in space. And the interesting part, though, about all of this is he seemed that rather than – Speak in the same tones as Elon Musk, who I, like, if you listen to Elon Musk talk about this stuff, he seems to think all of this is going to start happening in the next, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. Although, you know, Bezos seemed to indicate like over the next couple of hundred years. And I don't know. It depends, I guess, on how aggressively you think, you know, these Companies are going to go after this, but maybe Jeff Bezos was just more realistic. I mean, he did build Amazon, and he did begin building it at a time where people thought it was impractical to, you know, base an entire e-commerce website on selling print books. And now look at him. So
1: yeah, I think one of the interesting things that he kind of brought up was that he wants to build the infrastructure of it, and that I think, um, what's it, uh, Bezos, Bezos, and Musk are kind of approaching it from really different. Like timeline perspectives, because Musk just kind of wants to get there. And if you just kind of want to get there, then you've got a shorter timeline, right? But I think Bezos wants to actually build the infrastructure of like what it would be like, you know, the there's no system on Mars. There's just like no system, no transport system, no like, there's just not no kind of infrastructure whatsoever. So I think he wants to, or at least what I got from what he was saying was that he wants to build that infrastructure and that's gonna take time no matter it's not gonna happen on Elon Musk's time frame, you know?
0: Oh so, so so you're are you so you're poo you're officially poo-pooing Elon Musk and his aggressive timeline?
1: No, I think they're both accurate in in, in a but they both like work in a different frame of thing. Like if you want to build like a sprawling kind of industry, which is what I was kind of getting from, from Bezos. I think that'll take slightly more time because we still have to send the first, we still have to have Elon Musk send the first things there and then get data back on that, learn from it. Like we could have a, it's not going to go perfectly the first time Elon Musk sends like people there, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. I think the sense that I was getting from uh, Bezos is that he's saying, yes, we should settle Mars, so on and so forth. But in general, I don't know that his factory and industrial work comment was necessarily focused on Mars. I get the sense that it just, he just meant in orbit, um, mm. to allow us, I don't know, to use the vastness of space and not have to. And he was also talking about producing computer chips in space and just right. sent, sending them down to, to, the, to Earth. Look, this is the guy who right now, as we speak, you know, if you haven't seen videos, people listening, if you haven't seen videos of this, what I'm about to say may sound like science fiction, but this is real. And you can go look it up on YouTube right now. He has drones like, like like not flying, not the flying kind, but like ground drones, like robots working alongside humans in his factories. And they're working quite well and they're moving objects and they're working hand in hand with the uh, with the humans. And you probably you know, I mean, if you're listening to this, you probably follow tech on some level and you probably also know that he does have plans Bezos to put drones you know delivery drones in the air so he's he's aggressive about a lot of this stuff but he he's probably also quite aware of the challenges of industrial space work but you know here we go again you know the uh, mm-hmm. Waylon Yutani you know uh theme it's happening
1: <laughs> you know? it's happening
0: maybe it won't be musk maybe it'll be uh bezos
1: maybe they're like each other's yin and yang
0: the yin and yang well you know they they have the ongoing beef or you know the uh snappy m- remark back and forth <laughs> you know on who has the best automated systems for you know re-entry for their re-entry rockets from space you
1: know who did yeah. it first
0: who gets the credit
1: well you know because um, you were mentioning the code conference and I think last night they interviewed Elon Musk and you know I think one of the questions they asked him they're like you know Jeff Bezos also has um, his thing and you have SpaceX like what puts, what, what makes you different? And there was like a split second where I thought Elon Musk was like, "Really? This is what the question you're going to ask me? Okay. Well, I'll get into it." But you know, it was just.
0: What did he say? You, I, I'm on the edge of my seat here. What? Well, the, like, I want to know the no, answer he gave, to that. he
1: gave like the politician answer where he's just like, "Well, you know, Jeff and I, we have like the same thing, but we don't have the same thing, and we're like approaching from different ways." I just thought in his eyes, he was like, "Really." It was it was mostly like the story that he says in his eyes than what he actually said. He kind of pulled like a he pulled what Hillary Clinton does when people ask her about Bernie Sanders.
0: Oh, burn, burn. Okay. Wait, <laughs> yeah. did I just make a pun? I didn't even mean you to do did. that. I'm awesome. You did um, it was a
1: it was a burn, burn.
0: Well, I'm just impressed that you can read anything from Elon Musk's dead robot AI eyes because. That dude, I mean, really? His eyes were expressive to you?
1: Well, I don't, oh, maybe I'm just reading into his eyes. I don't think he, he's too, de- I think his, like, face is dead, but I don't think his eyes are dead.
0: Oh, you see the, the maniacal glint behind the yeah. stoic. Yeah. You know, the other thing I always tell people when I talk about Musk is he, I, th- I think he is, he wants to be a science fiction author. And, right. Because he had early success, I believe it was with PayPal and he has like these resources and, you know, I I understand he kind of went close to broke at one point, even after PayPal. So he is industrious and resourceful. But, you know, because he's built himself up to be able to do all these interesting things with Tesla and SpaceX, he's actually realizing things that some people, you know, still talk about. In kind of imaginary terms. So when he talks about stuff like, so at the code conference, he also brought up this idea of us living in a giant simulation. The Matrix. Yes. And so when he talks about this kind of stuff, it's really, you know, imagine if the same guy was saying this stuff and he had, you know, 500 bucks in the bank and worked at Walmart. You know, I think (laughs) most people would go, okay, you're crazy. You're not, you're reading too many comic books or something. But this guy is actually sending rockets into space. He's working with NASA. Um, he's putting he's about to put out what may be the most affordable and coolest electric car we've ever, ever had. You know, so so you have to listen to the guy on some level. I don't know if I agree with the whole simulated universe thing, but when he puts out all this, you know, kind of like he reveals his real thinking on what the future may hold. I think what we're listening to is a frustrated science fiction writer. <laughs> yeah. You know, so maybe, maybe get on that Elon, maybe. uh
1: I would, I would read his book. I would read it just hey, to kind of see what he's, what he's got cooking up there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's got the resources, you know, why not just, you know, go for it, you know, try, try your hand at it. Um, So that's uh kind of some of the things that happened over this week. Uh Next, we want to talk about something that, came up also this week that is the inspiration for this week's podcast which is a remake a reboot a reintroduction of logan's run
1: welcome to the 23rd century the perfect world of total pleasure every pleasure is yours to experience
0: runner there's just one catch
1: When the tiny crystal in the palm of your hand flashes its final message, your time is up. Michael York is Logan, Logan! policeman in a perfect world, trained to track down runners (laughs) until he is forced to run himself.
0: And so that is the trailer for the original uh, 1976 film, Logan's Run, directed by Michael Anderson. And starring Michael York. Michael York, one of my favorite old school actors. Um, one of my favorite films that he starred in was, uh, The Island of Dr. Moreau. Did you see this? Ooh. This, the old one?
1: I don't think I've ever seen the movie, <laughs> but I know of it. <laughs>
0: he's the, he's the protagonist. I mean, this, this film was, I think there was like a remake that starred, uh, Marlon Brando, but this is the original York goes through, and no spoilers, I'll try to avoid, but I mean, he goes through a transformation and just, I just love it. Michael York is amazing in that film. Anyway, that was one of his iconic roles, but this, Logan's run in 1976 is also one of his big roles, and he plays a sandman, uh, named Logan Five. Um, do you know? uh Vic like kind of like what the plot is do you did you want to lay that yeah, out Yeah
1: sure so like if you're like me and you probably never heard of this film until uh an esteemed sci-fi friend recommends <laughs> it to you um this film is kind of like it takes place in 22 like 2200 or something like that so maybe like 200 years from now and it's about a domed city like a geodome city in a post-apocalyptic dystopian type world and everybody in this city is really young. And when you reach the year, when you reach like age thirty, you have to go through this. Uh, I, I think carousel. I what yeah, carousel. You go through this like weird process where you may or may not get renewed into a new life.
0: Well, where, no, no, no. So they promise that you'll be renewed, but you're you're really just killed.
1: Yeah. Well, no. They 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 say that you have the chance to be renewed because they say like some people definitely get renewed. Like, you have the chance to. I,
0: I think my, my promise. understanding, I could be wrong, but my understanding is that's just like hopeful rumor. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, my understanding is that like the people who actually get nervous about it and investigate it find out, oh, you just get killed. And those people become what are known as runners. Right. And the sandmen are the people who are tasked with tracking down the runners. They're like Um, police officers. Right. And um, they hunt these people down as they try to get to, oh God, what is it called? Sanctuary. Um, Sanctuary, right. They try to get to Sanctuary. And so that's – and and when you – everyone in the city has like a crystal in their hand, and when they get to – or they, when they get near the age of 30, the crystal begins to blink, and then when it's time for them to be snuffed out with their old ass – uh, the the crystal 30, turns 30 black. There is is old. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. And so, that, so what's interesting though is so this is all the film. The 1976 film was based on a novel, and the novel it came out in 1967. And the novel was by William F. Nolan and George Clayton Johnson. And in the novel, the age limit is 21.
1: Oh, jeez.
0: Yeah, so you weren't <laughs> playing around in a novel. So this is why I always like uh. When something is based on the book, because you can always like, if you like the movie, you know, you can always go back to the book and the book's probably going to be more hardcore, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, they weren't messing around 21. 21. And <laughs> you're done. <laughs> um, and in the book runners um are, they're supposed to report to a sleep shop. And, you know, if you don't report to a sleep shop and uh, you try to run the, the, the sandmen who are also known as deep sleep operatives or DS men, uh, will come hunt you down with like this multi-purpose gun. You know, sometimes it, it has like all these different functions. Um, so that was like, so this came out like the, the idea of this is from 1967. And now they're going to, or they've been trying to remake this film. Like there have been like, f- like three, four attempts to remake this film. And now it looks like it's finally going to happen. Um, at least that's the word in Hollywood. The, the word in Hollywood is that we're about to get a remake. I should also note though, before I go much further is that um the original spawned the original film in 1976 spawned a TV series and by the same name and it was short lived, but it was also pretty true to the film. Like if you go and look at some of the, the, imagery and the trailers and everything. It's pretty, you know, it had, uh, of note, Kim Cattrall from Sex in the City fame, a young Kim Cattrall fetching Uh before. <laughs> well,
1: wait, how young was she? Was she like kid young? Or-
0: I don't know, but she must have been young enough to, to pass for earlier than 30 because Otherwise you get snuffed, you know, right? If, you're, <laughs> right. if you're 30. So, and so, yeah, so now they're talking about remaking this finally, and it looks like it's actually going to happen I, before we go too much further into that. what's your, since this is your first experience mm-hmm. with this film and the idea, I, how did it come off, you know, what was your, give me your mini take.
1: My mini take. Well, you know, first thing watching it, I thought the premise was like kind of interesting. It kind of reminded me of, I mean, this is going to sound really lame because this obviously came before what I think it reminded me of, but it kind of reminded me a little bit of Hunger Games where you have like young kids and they're obsessed with death or like impending death upon them or something like that. But I I thought it, like they keep bringing up these really interesting questions as uh, Logan Five, the, the Sandman, is investigating what they're doing. They bring up really interesting and I think really deep questions about like, how much would we remember if you could only live up until 30? Like, what's the institutional memory of humanity if you only live up until 30? And, like, they're just so ignorant about certain things. Like, I think at one point him and his his uh, lady friend Jessica Jessica Six, they are they're walking and they've reached the outside and they see, like, a grave marker and they're like, beloved husband, beloved wife. What does that mean? Because, you know, everything would break down in a society where you don't Live past thirty, like that. That's a. I, I think for the first part of the movie, I was just so focused on that, like a society where you don't get to actually grow old. Like we we've, we've touched on it before, like with um, that episode when we were talking about Wayward Pines and how they get to the point where just young people are ruling everything and what that kind of world would like. I actually think Logan's Run did it better, like just kind of the ignorance of all of it and just the energy that they have, but not really getting the time to kind of think things through because they don't know what aging is.
0: So this is going to be uh, rebooted by Warner Brothers. It's uh being scripted or co-scripted, co-written by Simon Kin- Kinberg, who is actually one of the co-writers on X-Men Apocalypse for a little callback. back. Kismet. Yeah. And, um, it, you know, so this, I don't have a date. You know, Deadline reported this uh, this past week. Uh, no date was given, but... You know, again, this is something that they've been trying to reboot for years and it just keeps falling, you know, by the wayside. So hopefully Warner Brothers will be able to actually make this one stick. I don't know. So, you know, this notion of once you're 30 or once you're 21, I feel like this is not incredibly far off from. You know, yes, I'm about to do a get off my lawn rant. You know, prepare (laughs) yourself. Get off, get off
1: your holographic lawn. Yeah.
0: I I feel like this is not that far off from reality because, okay. So when I came back from Asia, uh, in the States, I returned to New York. And one of the first things I I wanted to do was to kind of say, Hey, you know, look at all this stuff I found out about technology in Asia that isn't happening in the States. Like, you know, and I remember one of the things I was trying to expose people to was this app called Line. And mm-hmm. Line had stickers. This is like years ago. It's like three, four years ago. And Line had stickers. I mean, basically it operated in much the same way as, I don't know. Um,
1: like, I think. The closest analogy I have for Line in, for a Western audience was like how Facebook Messenger has those stickers. Well, that's
0: the latest. Copy. Yeah, that's the latest clone. But there are, there have been yeah. a few others that have cloned what Line was doing as though this is new stuff. But actually, so that's not the point, though. The, the point was, you know, I was talking to a couple, uh, a couple of colleagues in the tech world, the tech journalism world and i was trying to kind of you know get them to open up about you know like this is what's going on in asia with like mm-hmm. tablets and software and phones and and there there seemed to be this resistance just just to the notion of that it even mattered and yeah. but then when you talk about something like snapchat the very fact that it has this perception that young people use it suddenly it's important Never mind the fact that, you know, it doesn't maybe have as many users. I mean, now I think the news just came out that it reached parity or has slightly surpassed the number of users on Twitter. Twitter, Yeah, But this is all recent. I'm talking about a few years ago. This is before Snapchat really hit its its peak. And there was just this kind of perception of, well, young people like it. You know, so and I'm not even going to say millennials, because, again, there are 30 some there are millennials who would be. Killed. I'm a
1: millennial, and well, I don't know how to use Snapchat. Properly. Well,
0: there would be millennials that would be killed in the world of Logan's Run. So me,
1: you know, me, I yeah. would be in the book world. I would be dead, right?
0: Now. And so, but the the point being that there seems like what what was clear to me was okay. I'm trying to tell some of these people about some of the cool things I learned about tech in Asia, but they're more interested in in tech that young people are using, even if. I tell you, okay, well, young people in Asia are using this tech. No, oh, it doesn't matter. It's in Asia. I want to, you know, what, what are young people in the West using? And, 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 and I feel like I saw the same storyline with Facebook. What was the whole story about Facebook? Let's say a year and a half, two years ago. Oh, your grandma's using it. Right. You can't use it anymore. And that's like, that's like blatantly like this age related diss to facebook and and i and i'm sure the people at facebook probably freaked out about that oh god you know like we tried to get grandma and grandpa on this thing and now that we finally freaking got them on the service now that's going to be our death knell and, and that's what makes us uncool
1: i mean like think about how facebook started even it was just only you could only be a college student on facebook when it first started like Well, you had to have a college email address. Yeah, you had to have a college email address. And I remember I first got my Facebook when they started opening it up to high school students. So it was just a really young platform and it felt like super cool and super like your parents won't be on it. It'll be fine. Like you can just do whatever you want. We have like this secret society. And like I think people, a lot of people say MySpace was the, the, whatchamacallit, the predecessor to Facebook. Yeah. But-
0: and Friendster to that. And
1: Friendster. But I want to, like, throw back to this, this this Facebook. Like, so Facebook used to be for college kids, or in its inception, it was college kids only. And if you were in high school, you you were kind of shit out of luck. So when I was in high school, before they opened it up to us, uh, uh, before they opened Facebook up to us, we had to use something called skonex <laughs> And it was, like, Facebook for high school people. So, you know, it's, I think... The whole idea that young people creating their own societies isn't necessarily new, but yeah. But
0: before you get off that, but I mean, now the same thing that happened with Facebook, I'm seeing it's happening with Snapchat too. Like the, the, I want to key in on what you said. You said there was a time when young people kind of felt like, okay, Facebook is our space to kind of do our thing and, you know. You know, maybe adults won't really come in or older people won't come in. And the same thing I'm watching, the same thing happen with Snapchat, where it was initially this kind of like open secret where all like teens and maybe people a little out, of you know, a little bit out of their teens were sharing messages and taking, you know, weird photos and selfies and everything. And now, you know, you watch late night TV and you got, you know, old fogies you know like my snapchat handle is blah 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 and you know so game over there and it's it's just um it's just a matter of time before grandma is on snap like, did you get my snapchat you, you know look at it before it disappears <laughs> you know i mean so you know it's a moving you're, target
1: you're absolutely right because my mother asked me about snapchat the other there day there you soon. go she was just like victoria um what is the the snapchat the the, the snappy chat the the snap i don't know it something about it disappearing what does that mean and i was like oh man you know i i guess mom's i guess mom wants to be on snapchat now
0: yeah and so all that to say this is just this kind of culture of i i hate to kind of make this part always about us going back to japan but in asia there is this notion of cool old people there's cool older women cool and i by older i mean like 60s and 70s you know i mean Whereas here in the states, it's like, I mean, like it's basically Logan's Run. I think once you, I'm, I'm gonna say the real Logan's Run in the states is forty. Like once you hit forty, you know, go off yourself. We, we well, have that's when they know. say
1: you're over the hill, right? So, but what I wanna say, what I wanted to say about that is like the perception is that Asian kids uh, have a greater cultural respect for their elders, uh, but actually. <laughs> And this is just from my personal experience. My mother has always been saying stuff like, yeah, but now today's young kids in Asia, we're all talking now about how y'all are taking way too much from the U.S. through the pop culture and, and the movies. And now you don't respect us as much in the same way that we respected our our, our parents at your age.
0: Yeah, I don't know so- if that's an Asia thing because I've heard that from many different communities. It, people are always saying... You know, the good old days, people did this better or that better or, you know, people respected more. And I think it's true, actually. Mm-hmm. I do think with each generation, you know, what we call respect and what we call, you know, treating people right, kind of like the the bar shifts sometimes forward, sometimes backward. Um, I'm just talking about in popular culture, not necessarily mm-hmm. on a family level. In, in popular culture. You know, you can walk down a Japanese street and see a billboard of some old wrinkly guy, you know, with shades on and a gun and a ton That's of people, true. a ton of people actually go see the movie and it's a successful movie. Here, I mean, they'll, they don't even put old people in movies. Like if we go back to Prometheus, they didn't even hire an old actor for old Waylon. They just put makeup on. They put old guy makeup on the young sexy guy. So, I, mean, I
1: mean I mean but you have Liam Neeson and Taken and he's not a spring chicken. A
0: rare exception. A rare exception.
1: True. You know, I actually think uh I, I don't think this is too much of a tangent, but I think what you reminded me of was how East and West treats uh time travel in fiction. Usually when in when you go to Asian dramas that center around time travel, a lot of it is going to the past and kind of learning about the past in in a certain way whereas if you do time travel in, in 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 Western cultures, there's a fair amount of going to the future as well with with time travel. You're going to the past to like kind of secure the future in a certain sense. Whereas in the East, you go to the past to kind of like I don't know how to explain it. There's a lot of like time travel romances right. in in the past where you go and you go and you tell them about the future, but you win that historical Person's affection because you know you, you've come and you're making their life better, but it, it kind of glorifies the past and and like elders in a way that time travel in Western fiction doesn't really do.
0: And so, so yeah, that's a great point, and I I don't have ready examples, but what you're saying does. Like I feel like it's right based on you know a lot of the films that, you know I've watched a crap, total a ton of Asian, you know, Korean, Japanese, mm-hmm. Chinese films. And yeah, it does seem like they're always traveling into the past. Yeah. I mean, so just back to this, the, the Logan's run thing, you know, I know scientists are working on, you know, trying to extend our lifespans and, you know, and then, you know, give us longer, you know, lifespans here on earth or whatever, but let's talk about the notion of a, an end day which is what they call it in Logan's run or they call it last day actually.
1: Yeah. Last day. Yeah.
0: So in the novel, the premise is that the reason that they're, cause I don't know if we explain this, the premise is the reason they're doing this. The reason they're cutting you off at 21 is for population control and to control the consumption of resources. Uh, cause remember they're li- living in this geodesic dome and everything is like, for whatever reason, everything is very limited. So do you think, you know, I mean, we're, Everything, you know, global warming, you know, okay. uh we, we don't know, you know, if, if we're going to have a sustainable future, you know, like like people are, you know, making all these claims about, you know, how horrible things are in terms of the environment and our real human future on this planet. So what if? What if, you know, not the not the novel twenty one year old, but let's say the thirty year old end day or last day. Okay. What what do, you, what do you think about <laughs> such a scenario?
1: So um, when they said, like, you just die at 30 when I was watching it, I was... I, no, you don't I mean, just
0: die. They take you out. Let's be clear yeah, okay, about right. that. So they like, take you out.
1: Basically, you have a, a ticking time clock along You got the crystal, where, yeah. Yeah, you've got a life crystal in your palm and it's going to tell you when... Oh, and the other thing is that... They dress you in different colors depending on how close you are to dying.
0: Your old ass. Yeah. So we know who your old ass is. Yeah. Right. Your so old like, ass.
1: <laughs> if you're wearing red, you're in the last stage of your life. Right. Uh, and if you're wearing green, you're a little ways off. And if you're wearing, like, I think yellow was the other color that I saw. You're, mm-hmm. like, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, but, you know, just because I had my 28th birthday recently, I was watching this film. And they were saying, like, you know, when you're 30, you're done like, bye, that time's up. And so he's like, holy crap. So if I was living in Logan's Run's world, I've got two years left, a little under two years left to do whatever it is that I want to do with my life. And that freaked me out. I couldn't get over it for about half the film. Just the idea that I just feel like I'm starting out. And then to have someone say, you're done, this is your end day. So, but I mean, the, so
0: we talked about the notion when we talked about transhumanism in a previous episode, we talked about the idea of a limited lifespan, adding meaning to your life, you know, right. the, the idea of, mm-hmm. you know, if you were immortal, you know, would you eventually, even after you acquired all this different information and knowledge and skill sets, you know, let's say if you live, you know, two, three centuries, would you then, you know, get bored somehow and just kind of get tired of just this, this endless psych, the, the mundanity of just like this cycle of just life just going on and on and on. So, but what, so what if, so if resources are short and we do and in Logan's run, they have computers, they have robots, they have systems. So we don't have to worry about losing knowledge, you know? So what, so what if,
1: you now, what if we have to lose? I do think we have to worry about losing knowledge, though, because it did not seem like any of those thirty-year-olds in Logan's run were particularly smart or learned yeah. in any way. But and they were hot, isn't that what's important? <laughs> I mean, they were hot. <laughs> they were fucking hot. No. Yeah. Well, eh, I, I guess. Hot ish. I, yeah. I, I guess if you're hot, everything. What you're saying is, if you're hot, then nothing else matters. Okay. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not, joking. I'm just joking, joking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but um. What was it? Yeah, no, they they didn't seem like they understood anything. And then, you know, humans, you're basically intellectually useless unless you're like some sort of freaky genius until you're like 18. You don't under, you're still learning and, you know, humans have an extremely long gestation period. So if we're having the same gestation period, 30 seems abrupt. 21 just seems like, what's the point?
0: Well, now look at how they kind of... Dealt with that in the film. They had this robot called box and he, you know, at least at one point in the film, he appeared to like, have a lot of the collected knowledge of the society. And and Mm. he seemed to be like this kind of caretaker. I mean, what, what about that kind of scenario where, okay, so you don't have a bunch of old fogies running around, you know, with, you know, all the collected social and, you know, intellectual and scientific information, but you have these caretaker robots,
1: you know, then I have to ask, what are what are humans doing all day? Like, what, you know, and that's a good question, because it's not really answered by the uh, the, the movie Logan's run either, because you see all these people, they're just walking around all the time.
0: Well, but, okay, so what in, in looking a, into all of this, like, kind of like what the plot's about, and kind of refreshing my knowledge on the book uh-huh. and, and the film, uh, the idea is that people, humans, just get to be free and just have sex and eat and play and and just do whatever they want for their short lifespan. And that's kind of, you know, just the cycle that just happens in the society. Uh, one thing I want to do f- before I forget is in the novel, instead of ex- – Sanctuary in the film is this place where they, you know, it's some other place – on Earth or whatever. I don't know what planet they're actually on. Whatever planet they're on, it's some other place. But in the book, Sanctuary is actually a colony that is just uh, not far from Mars. So they actually have to, in the novel, uh-huh. they actually get into a rocket. There's Mars again. They have to get into a rocket and escape to Mars and they successfully escape. And that's the plot of that. So I just wanted to just add that before Good. I forgot.
1: Yeah, no, that's a major difference because in the film, Sanctuary is like a mythical place that they think exists outside of the city that they live in and they don't know where it is anyway and it's revealed once they get outside that sanctuary doesn't exist and that humanity humanity's kind of been decimated and they show that because um, the city is like just outside of Washington dc and you just see like all of our really famous monuments they're covered in vines and everything has kind of fallen into disrepair and there's an old cat guy who lives in i think I want to say, the, not the Lincoln Memorial, but like the Capitol building. There's an old guy with like 20 cats. But it was really interesting because obviously if you've lived in the city, you've never seen an old person before. So their reaction to the old person wasn't like revulsion and horror. It was like-
0: It was oh. wonder. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was wonder.
0: Yeah. That that was a pretty cool part because they they were genuinely like astonished to see this really old dude.
1: Well, they were happy because it meant that they didn't have to die at 30.
0: Just to go back to real life, I feel like, again, I feel like we're dealing with this a lot because, you know, back in the day, I'm a Gen Xer. And so back Mm when the media was filled with the term Generation X, usually, you know, and and at the time I was a writer and editor when the term came into being and or came into popularity, and usually it was used to, in my memory, refer to musicians, maybe actors. Um, and, and often you would hear it talked about in terms of like this angst, the angst of generation X and, you know, this kind of like dark, brooding, you know, internal dialogue or whatever. Whereas when I listen to, the discussion of uh millennials so-called millennials in popular media now it i don't hear like the all i hear about the two characteristics i hear is uh this kind of narcissism like they like that (laughs) seems to be attached to millennials and really just youth like there seems to be this it's the first time like, because i think before gen x it was uh, the baby boomers. Mm-hmm. And now the new generation after millennials, I think it's called Generation Y, Generation G- Z.
1: Generation, generation Z. Z is what it is, and, yeah. And freaking MTV a few months ago said, like, what should we name the the Generation Z people? And they're like, we name ourselves the Founders. So it's like, go, oh. go. <laughs> I thought Millennials was bad. The Founders is worse. Yeah. But so,
0: yeah. So anyway, so, yeah, so the next generation is Z. And so, yeah, So, but but what's interesting to me about what I keep hearing about with regard to millennials is it seems like one of the pillars of this whole generation seems to be this obsession with youth. And I'm fascinated by that because I'm thinking, you know, time flies. And, you know, in just five or ten years, are you, do you – I mean, maybe this technology will catch up. With this self, like, are you going to be taking selfies and putting your ass on Instagram when you're 45? I don't think so millennial. And so, like, when when you reach that age, I mean, all this, because I do, you know, when I, I look, it's part of my job to kind of not just, you know, know about tech, but know about popular culture. And so I I know what the Kardashians are doing. I know, I don't necessarily watch the reality shows, but I have a sense of what, you know, Real Housewives of this and love and hip hop of that. I, I I know what's going on. And look, this stuff is like, you know, this is fleeting. What I'm fascinated by is this notion of if youth is one of the pillars of the millennial uh, group, what happens when those gray hairs start coming in?
1: Well, that's a very good question. Uh, But just to kind of build on what you're saying, I also think it's not just youth that's a pillar of the millennials. It's youth plus technology. Because whenever you talk about millennials, and first of all, like every, I think almost every article about millennials is just, you know, millennials are super young and this is how narcissistic they are, but they're also super ingrained with technology. They don't know what life without the internet is really like, or the oldest of the millennials may remember briefly what a VHS is or the relationships between uh, a cassette tape and a pen, like, you know. That sort of
0: thing. You know, another thing, just talking about the pop culture aspect of all this stuff is Kanye West. So he was—I um, can't remember the award show or what the event was, but he was at some—he was in some public setting—and he called himself a millennial. No, it was the MTV Music Awards, and he was on stage, and I think he was ac- accepting some award, and he said, "We we the millennial generation." And, da, da, da. and then the next he? day, no, he's not. He's older. Okay. He's a, he's a Gen Xer. <laughs> like I checked, I went and looked. And it wasn't just myself. It was like the next day, there were just like social media was filled with people checking, fact checking Kanye West on the fact that, no, 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 you're actually a Gen Xer. You're not a millennial. But what, you know, for me, the important part of this was he was attempting to glom on to this millennial, I guess, cool cachet. Uh, you know, and, and maybe explain away the fact that, you know, he's also using Snapchat and he's also, you know, doing all the selfies or whatever. E- even though, you know, no one's taking people over 35 out back and shooting them in the head, you know, <laughs> you, know well, once.
1: you know, I, I have a friend in tech and he was saying the other day, like, you know, I've resisted Snapchat for this long, but all the young people are doing it. I have to learn. I have to try at least snapping and so he's going to bring his things. old,
0: old, uh, whack juice to Snapchat and make it like Facebook basically.
1: Yeah. But I also felt pressured to start getting into Snapchat. Cause I, I had very much like, despite my millennial card, I maybe I have to turn in my millennial card because I don't know how to Snapchat properly.
0: Well, but I mean, is this just a branding thing? Is there any other product that other than Snapchat that is supposed to be like this millennial thing, That is like a young person's thing that old people don't get, older people don't get.
1: Well, you remember like we were talking about how Facebook got to the point where like grandma's on Facebook, you can't use it anymore. But I remember maybe a year or two ago, uh, there were a bunch of articles coming out on like, how do we reach younger people? What social media are they actually going to because Facebook isn't like for them anymore? And they kind of touted Instagram as one of them because they're saying things. You mean
0: Instagram owned by Facebook? Now it's on my Facebook. I'm just yeah. saying. I'm just yeah, saying.
1: Well, maybe Facebook feels that it's too old now and it's trying to get younger by acquiring stuff like Instagram. But, you know, like, and they and they were saying things like, you know, they just don't know how to read these millennials. So, they, of course, they don't want to be on Facebook. They want to be on Instagram because Instagram has pictures.
0: Wait, and see, and that's why I bring up the whole Asia thing because I remember – many, oh man, maybe 20 years ago, this thing called iMode came out in Japan, which was kind of like this different version of not the internet, but just a way to display web pages and information on mobile phones. And not that long after this whole kind of, um, you would probably know the name of this, like the mini short stories that are shared via mobile.
1: I think so. Okay.
0: So, and that became big in Japan and, what really stood out to me was that whenever this stuff would come out, whether it was a short novels or iMode or some, you know, different way of displaying, you know, emoji or emoticons on your phone, it was always I mean, they would always mention Japanese schoolgirls in the West like Wired used to. They actually had a column. Oh, yeah. Wired had a column called Japanese schoolgirl watch, which I always thought was a little creepy. Um, yeah,
1: very creepy, not little. <laughs> yeah, creepy. Japanese
0: schoolgirl watch. But it was there, in my opinion, it was their shorthand way of saying this is what young Japanese people are doing. But having lived there, I just disagree with that premise. Yes, I think a lot of things do come from Japanese school children, you know, schoolgirls or schoolboys. But generally, Japanese culture, tech culture moves very fast. And so when you see a Japanese schoolgirl doing something, you're probably, if, if an adult isn't doing it, you're probably going to see them doing it within, inside of a year.
1: Well, young people are an endangered species in Japan, you know? Like. Well,
0: there's that, yeah.
1: Like, um, with, with cell phones that a lot of times they they have like cell phones for elderly people, technology for elderly people. A yeah, lot but of-
0: come on. In Japan, when they say elderly, they mean 80. <laughs> you know, yeah, when they say elderly true. in the States, they mean 55. <laughs> I mean, like, they, you know, yeah, that's, I mean, that's true. you know, the, I, I, I don't have it in front of me, but the list of actors who are considered hot sex. I mean, Brad Pitt is 50 something. And like most American women would like, you know, you mm-hmm. know, knock their husband over or their boyfriend over to like, you know, I mean, hey, maybe I'm out of step. I mean, I guess it's Ryan Gosling now, but still. You know, it's not like Ryan well, Gosling I mean, is 21. He'd he'd be dead in the world of Logan's Run.
1: Oh I'm just saying. You know, Johnny Depp. I think Johnny Depp's another one. I think he's close to 50, if not yeah, over 50. Yeah, but he's and, looking at
0: He's he's looking pretty rough nowadays. I mean, I, that's, okay. that's, that's there's a reason I brought up the examples I brought up because Depp is looking pretty rough.
1: That's true. Although you know,
0: Amber Amber Heard sucked like... the life, the vital life juices out of him, and now she's going <laughs> to take his bank money too.
1: Uh, well.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Kim Kardashian, when she's like hitting 40, 45, I don't think that ass is gonna, well, no. Maybe, you know, if Grace Jones, who I think is like 70 something, Grace Jones was one of the early, like, she's
1: gorge. She's so pretty. Well,
0: she was one of the early New York, like, along with Warhol and and other people, she was one of the early New York, you know, scene people who, you know, she did that kind of nude photo shot, uh, photo shoot that wasn't really common at the time. And she's still showing, showing her ass, you know, and she's 70 something. how, How
1: do they maintain that through technology? in what? in the sense of plastic surgery and bioengineering and all that sort of thing.
0: Well no no no. no no. I think Grace Jones is just like a skinny person. I think she's just like okay. like a skinny, you know. I, I get what you're saying, but in her case I think she's actually just showing her skinny butt. You know. That's
1: that's probably true, but like if you like well let's let's flip it and turn on turn on actresses like after a certain age, like how many actresses over 40 can you name that have had like a great role in the past year that's, and their names can't be Meryl Streep.
0: Well, like, how many actresses period? I mean, you know, yeah, I think like, of any age, I mean, it's, it's, you true. know,
1: that, that's definitely true. Hollywood's
0: still a man's world. And it de- you know, definitely. So. But
1: there's, there's like, especially for women, if you're not young, you kind of have no cachet in the current system. Like they called Matt, Maggie Gyllenhaal to, too old to be, I forget which actor in his forties, love interest or something like
0: that. No, 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 I know. I know the actress you're talking about. It's another actress. You're talking about um, Olivia Wilde is who you're talking about. Oh. Olivia Wilde.
1: You're right. But I think Maggie Gyllenhaal also was well, at some I point. Well, I don't care if
0: Maggie Gyllenhaal is 19. <laughs> I'm just going to fucking <laughs> say it. No moss. No moss. And I'm a fan. Anyway. I like her. I like her acting, but I don't think in her case it's about age. Um, anyway. I, think I think it's widely acknowledged that Olivia Wilde is stunning. And she recently, you know, gave a comment to, I can't remember if it was a TV show or a magazine, where she was saying, you know, yeah, like she was told that she was uh, too old you know, to be, to fit a particular role. I guess it was supposed to be like a young, a youngish goofy role. And they were calling her like, uh, I guess, too sophisticated or classy or whatever. And oh, right, she felt right, it right, was right, like right. some sort of euphemism for calling her old.
1: Which, you know, um, now that you bring up Olivia Wilde, I'm thinking of another sci-fi film that she was in that kind of deals with this whole aging thing. Uh, did you ever see Timer?
0: Timer not, does not, not timer, ring a bell.
1: Like time. It, it was the Justin Timberlake led movie with Amanda Seafried. You'll never get the time that you spend watch time back. So I'll just explain it really quickly. But um, in it, you're given like time is treated as currency and you've got like this like wrist thing and it'll tell you how much time you have left on earth. And rich people have like a bajillion years and poor people don't. And they have to like earn instead of being paid in money, you're paid in time and uh, you stop aging Past oh, 25. I've
0: seen that. Are you sure that's the right name? I've seen that. I know what it's you're like talking either about huh?
1: in time or time
0: in time is what I, Yeah, no, it's in time. Okay. I've seen that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So in time, in, I've seen in, in that world, you just stop aging past 25, even though you're mentally able to go get older. So I think, I think maybe our revulsion in the West towards aging has to do with like the look of youth disappearing because if we could do anything to keep our our minds but keep our bodies young
0: so do you so you think that once we nail uh, plastic surgery and and genetic uh, manipulation to even if we are even if we're not technically immortal, we begin to all look around the same age you think some of that will dissipate
1: maybe maybe some of that would dissipate, but like um what was it? I, I actually saw that there was this study by the Institute for Aging Research. So the, there's, there's this um, group at the, uh, at the Albert Einstein College of, of Medicine, and they were um, looking into, they were just basically identifying this trend with um, how people who live super long age. And then there was also like another, and it just reminds me of like this other experiment that they did. And I think about 10 years ago, uh, at Stanford University, where they kind of attached an elderly mouse and a young mouse and they like kind of attached their circulation systems together. And just by sharing the blood of the young mouse, the elderly mouse started like getting younger. I read that, inside. yeah,
0: I read that story. Yeah, that was pretty scary because the first thing, and I'm pretty sure other people thought this too, the first thing I thought was vampires. <laughs> vampires because the what's the central thing about vampires is they suck your blood so they can be immortal okay and so and even um there's an old vampire story i think the name of the person is elizabeth bathory i could be wrong but apparently the story is that she would take virgins and babies and, uh, drain them of all their blood and bathe in their blood. And this is how she would maintain her, oh. her youth.
1: Was it the bloody baroness? Is that her name?
0: Maybe that's, yeah. yeah, but, yeah. I, but I, but I, but I'm, I feel like her name might have been Elizabeth Bathory or something yeah. like
1: that. Well, um, she, was, she just got it wrong. It's not the outside that matters. She should have been like sticking the blood on the inside.
0: So that's just, I don't know. There's a few things to think about in terms of Logan's run, uh, youth culture how we're moving into the future, how we treat youth and age in society. Um, don't take people out back and shoot them in the back of the head when they reach <laughs> a certain age. Love them. Love them. Gray hairs are your friend. It means you're a winner. Gray hairs mean that you've survived. It means that you, well, you've, you've lived past the, the other losers who couldn't keep up with the herd and, and the lion picked them off.
1: Well, you know, Dario, gray hair is in now We have the, the youth The youth are going to the salons And dyeing their hair gray
0: To get the uh, Storm, the Aurora mm-hmm. uh, Storm X-Men look
1: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so A few things to think about Logan's run, and when we do have a date We will, you know, let you know Via the Mars Podcast That has been the Mars Pod My name is Adario Strange with Big And we will see you in the future